I'm going to share with you some tips for a long and happy life from two people over the age of 100. One of them is 102. One of them is 108. And I think you'll get a kick out of their advice, their tips for a long and happy life. Arvid Lowen joins us on the phone now. He is a world record senior cyclist. Arvid, good morning. Good morning, Al. And also, Uncle Arvid to Carolyn Klassen, who's on our show every Thursday from Connexus Counseling. Uh, thanks for emailing me the other day. It's Bike Week. We were talking on Monday because Monday was Bike to Work Day, and we were talking a lot about cycling. Bike Week continues. And you sent me an email, and you said that uh, of all the cycling you've done in the city of Winnipeg, you have never, ever really had a close call. Yes, I said that, but I also think I said in there that I do most of my cycling not in Winnipeg. True. But I did do the I did do that um, bike to week to work the longest commute a couple of years ago just to see what people experience, and I I stayed on a bike for twenty nine hours and and rode five hundred and seventy kilometers inside of the city of Winnipeg using bike paths where possible, and then of course to put in that many kilometers, I had to crisscross and use all the main roads. And I didn't find it too bad, honestly. I never had a close call throughout that whole 570 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And you also had some great tips, a couple of them. Share those with us. Well, to me, one of the things that that a cyclist, as a cyclist, I try to do is to be predictable for the car that is going to come from behind. If they can, if I can stay in a straight line and I don't weave, they know they can they can anticipate what I'm going to do. But if I'm not, if I don't look like I know what I'm doing or I don't pay attention to the road, of course, it's very dangerous for them to to pass me. So I think that is one of the things that develops mutual respect between the driver and the cyclist. Uh On the the roads, and I mean, I've done most of my riding over the last 30 years, some 400,000 kilometers, and most of it has been on a highway. It's not really that much different. Again, the car is coming from behind you. If they can see, they can see you. And so I try to take about two feet onto the road. And so that when they come by me, I can just gain that space and, and create a little bit more distance by going right to the edge. And it has worked well for me. I, I've been fortunate. I have not been in a collision with a vehicle throughout my whole cycling career. Yeah, which is great. And you've done a lot of cycling. The other thing that you mentioned in your email that you said is important, don't run red lights and stop signs, even if there's no traffic. And I'll be honest with you, that's my pet peeve with a lot of cyclists. I'll be sitting at a red light or a stop sign, and they just roll right on through uh, to my right, and, uh, you know, there's no traffic coming. But if you're going to have that mutual respect uh, between drivers and cyclists, I think you all have to follow the rules of the road, right, Arvid? The, the rules of the road are the key thing. Now, for a cyclist, you know, and I'll be uh, defend the cyclist a little bit, it's difficult to always put your feet down, especially for most of us, um, we have clips that we clip in. Okay, so it's a little bit more. But what we, what we always say in the cycling, you have to come to a standing stop, but you don't have to put your feet down when there are no cars. In other words, like to a walking speed, yeah, at an intersection when there's, let's say, where there's four stop signs, you can't just blast through it. And if there's a red light, to me, obviously, you have to put your feet on the ground and wait for the light to change. I mean, that to yeah. me is just a no-brainer. Sure. 
Mark Kohol uh, from Bike Winnipeg was on uh, with me on Monday, and I asked him this question. I'll ask you. Uh, do you think that drivers of vehicles and and cyclists, people on bike, will ever b- bikes will ever really get along? I think I think you're right. It's about mutual respect and. There are bad drivers behind the wheel of a car. There are bad drivers on a bike. Um, but we need to try and get along and and be more courteous and more res- respectful, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would go back to what I said earlier. I, I, I haven't experienced it to be that bad. But it starts, a lot of it starts with the cyclists showing respect for the, for the driver on the road. And... Uh, that that to me is where where I think a lot of things can can go wrong. One thing that I do find that is is difficult for a driver to navigate and also for a cyclist to anticipate is some cyclists when we ride a little bit faster, drivers have a, an assumption that they go at a certain speed. And if I have been into close calls, it's been when somebody passes me and then turns right and they don't anticipate the speed that I'm traveling at. So right. then all of a sudden, boom, I'm right on, on there. And, it, it, you know, because they think that I should be going, would be going at 15 kilometers an hour when I'm going at 30 kilometers an hour. So mm-hmm. a lot of it for cyclists especially is defensive driving. I mean, hey, make eye contact with the, with the guy in the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And so. give a wave and a smile and just try and get along better out there, I think. But yeah, but I mean, I do most of my riding out out in the out in the highways. Okay? Sure. So it is a little it is a little bit different. But the consequences of a collision on a highway quite often are also more serious than the consequences of a fender bender or a collision in a city. So. Yeah, so true. I know you don't want to give away details, but you've got yet another cycling fundraiser coming up in July. I do. Yes, uh, it's 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 kind of unique. It's a first in the world of ultra marathon cycling and it hasn't been done to this degree. And I, I, I keep designing my events to suit the age that I'm at. And so I'm no longer the cyclist that I was five years ago. I'm not as fast as I was, but I can still be a little bit stubborn and determined on a bike. So I hope <laughs> that, that that will be to my advantage. But at the end of the day, Arvin, I appreciate, no, sorry, go ahead. At the end of the day, no matter how the whoever wins this event that I will let you know about in a couple of weeks is sure. the kids that I do it on behalf that will be the, bene- the the benefactors. Yeah. Well, listen, when we have you back to talk about it, we'll we'll get into the cause. A lot of people will know uh, the cause that you uh, cycle so hard for, but we'll talk more about that um, when you come back in a couple of weeks to tell us about the event. And I appreciate the email yesterday, and I think some a really good advice for both cyclists and drivers here today. Thanks so much, Al. All right. Thank you, Arvid. Arvid Lowen, world record senior cyclist. Um, let's talk a little bit more because it is bike week. Bike week continues. Uh, I meant to play these, uh, the other day, these clips, this audio the other day, but I, I ran out of time. Dave Elmore is with bike Winnipeg and, um, he was on the start on Monday, which was bike to work day and Macklin, McGarry and McNabb asked Dave, how many cyclists do we have in the city of Winnipeg? I'm not sure that we have, have exacting numbers. I certainly can say that for sure. The numbers are constantly growing, and I think that I think that the pandemic actually has has created even more growth because we know we know very well that lots and lots of people went out and bought bikes or dragged that old bike out from from uh, from wherever in their shed somewhere, 
and got out riding their bikes during the pandemic. And a lot of those people are looking to kind of continue. I think they enjoyed riding their bikes and they'd kind of forgotten how much they enjoyed it. And they, uh, they're out there riding. So we're just seeing more and more and more people actually riding bikes. Dave Elmore at Bike Winnipeg. And he says drivers of all kinds, all kinds of drivers, cyclists, vehicles, all drivers need to know the rules of the road. I think that education is important. I'm actually a cycling educator. So um, I, I agree that cycling education is, is important for people who ride bikes. Um, but I, I think there's education on both sides of the coin that needs to be that, and the information that needs to get out there so that people who are driving better understand people who are cycling and people who are cycling have a better understanding of what they should do. So they're a little more consistent in terms of their behavior and how they how they how they actually behave on the roads. And finally, some advice from Dave for drivers and cyclists. As a driver, if you if you're overtaking a cyclist, what we what we generally would love to see is we'd love to see people giving us more space and not squeezing by us. But part of that also comes from a cyclist's perspective as well, is that I generally I would recommend that people ride at least a meter away from the curb. There's lots of reasons for that in terms of, you know, in terms of the, the, the actual conditions of the roads along those edges, but also it gives you more room to, to, to maneuver as, as you're riding along. And I think when a lot of, a lot of people ride, they tend to sort of hug the curb because they don't want to inconvenience, you know, the people drive, driving. And that just creates space and creates an in, in a situation where cars may just pass you too closely. Dave Elmore at Bike Winnipeg. Bike Week continues. The founder of the Animal Food Bank Foundation joins us now, Nicole Fry. Nicole, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, So listen, there are some fundraisers coming up in Winnipeg in the month of June, and uh, it's because of a great relationship you have. Uh, Go ahead and give Pet Value a plug and tell us about this. We're so excited. So Lorraine and her team at Pet Value Transcona have been integral in us to, uh, able to operate in Winnipeg. If we didn't have them, we wouldn't have been able to launch our branch three years ago. And so they've chosen us for their PAWS 2023 fundraising month of June, and their goal is $10,000. We're so excited. They've got a bunch of events all throughout June. You can check out their Facebook page, Pet Value Transcona. They've got a photo shoot this Saturday. You can uh, drop in, but they prefer you give a sh- uh, give them a call ahead to book an appointment. It's 10 bucks, and all proceeds come to us and they've got another event uh, on the 24th with our team there with um, a barbecue and they have these amazing prize baskets i'm very excited about them i want to win them all (laughs) so they're doing a (laughs) raffle so there's so many great things on the go um, and we're just hoping people will be able to come out and support you know we're talking today about advice for grads and how you know maybe in the past it was follow your passion. Maybe now it's, you know, get a job that pays well. We've been talking about inflation and the bank rate going up and people, many yeah. people are, are being challenged when trying to feed their pets, even having to give up pets. And, you know, the Animal Food Bank, your organization and, and Pet Value and, and other pet stores that you work with really, you know, try and help pet owners out there that are struggling. 
A hundred percent. So we found that 56% of our clients don't have to surrender their pet because we exist. And, and right now there's to surrender your pet. Rescues are full. We're all facing the same challenges. You know, donations are down, need is up. And so it's really important uh, to, to support organizations like ours that are providing preventative measures to surrender. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, listen, food banks for humans, right, uh, are seeing increased demand. But uh, I really think it's important, too, that we, we can't forget about our furry friends, our, our pets. It's it's really important. And that's why, you know, I'll always give you an opportunity to come on for a couple of minutes and talk about what you're doing, because you really are uh, providing, with help from people, of course, a really important service. Yeah, we help about between 400 and 500 pets a month in Winnipeg, and we're on a 60-day cycle, so people can request help once every two months. So, the, you know, the need is just going up and up and up, and, and that's what we're seeing. So this uh, this fundraiser is really going to be the difference between us being able to continue our services or not. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, Maureen and her team are awesome. Plus, I must pet all the dogs. This is my, my thing. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> pet Value Trends Kona, uh, and again, check out their Facebook page or just drop by uh, and and go and see them and I guess um, help people out too if, if somebody has a bag of dog food or they would like to help out that way how do they help you yeah so we love when people drop off uh, pet food for us so we've got a list of our drop-off locations pet value transcona being one of them so they can visit our website animalfoodbank.org then we're also looking for volunteer drivers so there's a facebook group you can reach out to us through our website or our facebook page and we'll direct you to that group if you're willing to spare an hour a week even to drop off a couple meals for some pets in need nicole thanks a lot good luck thank you so much Holly. i appreciate it all right, Nicole Fry, founder of the Animal Food Bank Foundation, lots of June fundraisers with their partner, Pet Value Transcona. Check out the uh, Facebook page, drop by uh, Pet Value Transcona and help out. Uh, that's one of the spots where you can drop off food as well and help out that way. Or, you know, go there, buy some food, and, and they'll make sure that it gets to the Animal Food Bank Foundation and the pets and their owners who need it.